This is a very special episode of Beekeeper Confidential. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. I went on a little road trip to the Oregon State Beekeepers Association's annual conference. The evening of the opening reception, I snuck into the banquet hall an hour before the party started. I found a comfy leather sofa tucked away in the corner, and I set up my audio equipment, and I plotted how I was going to snag my next victim. I mean, guest. An unsuspecting beekeeper walked in and looked at me quizzically. I signaled him over and handed him a mic. Hi, Rex. Hi there, Mandy. <laughs> uh. So here we are. We're at the OSBA conference. We're at the pre-party opening reception. Yes. And there is a sweet band playing. That sweet band is called Caught Red-Handed, made up of three members who play harmonious bluegrass, country, folk, and old-time rock and roll. After Rex and I talked, I went over and met the band. They were happy to give me permission to use this music in this episode, and they even gave me a copy of their latest album called Busting Out. I'll share links to their website and social media accounts on my blog at waggleworkspdx.com. I've been a president for the last two years of Portland Metro. How did that happen? Uh, I started uh, 10 years ago. Uh, attending meetings, uh, worked as a treasurer. Um, I started out as treasurer too. Yeah. We're freaking twins. There you go. And then uh, I was vice president for three years. And then uh, the group said, well, you know, we think you'd make a good president. But I've enjoyed it. I've met a lot of good people through uh, this conference and, and the different meetings by through the OSBA yeah. that we have to attend. So uh, that's how I met you. Yes. In fact, I was so nervous when I went to that first OSBA board meeting because, first of all, I was late. Yep. Second, when I got to the place, I couldn't figure out where the hell you guys were. So I had to call the old president of Pub and ask him, where do they meet? And then I walked in and, and I felt like everything went silent and every eyeball was on me. And you were like, hi, I'm Rex. Yep. <laughs> Well, I had the same uh, experience when I first uh, drove in there. I went past it like three times and using Google, and I still couldn't find it. Yeah. I was like, I know I'm in the right place. There are beehives everywhere. Right. But where do I go? Where is and it? it was, uh, it's Chuck's like in this secret room in the secret passageway. Uh-huh. It was Chuck Sowers' apiary. And uh, you were right. There were beehives in boxes and equipment everywhere. And it was just a little garage that they made it into an office. The secret lair. Yeah. Yeah. Before you got involved with Portland Metro Beekeepers, how long had you been keeping bees? Uh, probably, I had been watching bees for a year. A bee stalker. Yeah. A friend yeah. of mine, uh, we went to a barbecue at his house. He said he needed to check his hives. I said, well, could I come down with you? He says, yeah, sure. You're not worried about getting stung? I said, no, I'm not worried. My dad taught me how to handle myself with bees. So was we your dad a beekeeper? Nope. My dad was just an outdoors guy that worked oh, in the parks for okay. Clackamas County. And uh, he was an Iowa farm boy. And he just said, you know, be calm. Be calm. And so I was. So we went down and looked at the bees. And he, he knew I had marion berries on my property. And he said, well, you need a hive. I said, no, I don't. I have too many other hobbies. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So a week later, he showed up at my doorstep with a hive in tow. So this hive, I watched it grow. I put the boxes on and everything. I did what he told me to do, and it swarmed the next year on me nine times. 
Oh it's my God. like uh, it started. Uh, so May we have May the that uh, Memorial Day weekend, and then Father's Day, and then the next uh, Labor Day after that. So oh I was chasing God. swarms through the neighborhood. My neighbors were not very <laughs> happy with me. So did you know that it was going to be that intense when no. he just gave no, you that it's, hype? No, it's like fishing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you go after that fish and you catch it, and now you're in for the. Uh, the now adventure. it's the hobby. Yeah. What other hobbies did you have before bees came into your life? Oh, you know, I'm the youngest of four, so you got to get along to go along. So it was yeah. anything and everything. I um, was a scout when I was younger, so I completed scouting. Uh, so you're already like nature yeah, lover. Yeah. Uh, camping and fishing with my brothers and m cousins and my dad. Um, you know, I go out on to the farm out in Yam Hill and turn hay bales and I uh, had dogs that I had a um, Brittany Spaniel that uh, she knew more than I did and I was 16 when I got her <laughs> and then the next one was a uh, another dog that my dad found for me so I got into bird hunting a little bit so I had a little bit of experience with bird hunting I found out that did you have a bird hound too to help I, you with I your hunting? I had a bird dog. A bird dog. Now okay. hounds go after raccoons and possums and their hounds are in the south. Okay. Bird dogs are out here. I had a Labrador Retriever. Are Labradors the gold standard of bird dogs? Uh, for me they are. I mean I couldn't ask for it but there's other ones that people yes. think that are better. There, You have several different breeds that are, are quite more maintenance than a lab. A lab is an all-around, it's like a Chevy 350 motor. <laughs> you know, it's it keeps on ticking even though it's low on oil. Wow. <laughs> so uh, he was uh, an American lab, uh, 23 inches tall and 105 pounds. And at this time I was married and so my wife and I had two kids, raised kids, and then at the end of uh, their high school year and everything I got into bees, my wife said I would have to pick the most dangerous hobby there was well uh, she's she's right i can think of more dangerous hobbies yeah, skydiving like her sister does um <laughs> you know a uh, race car driver like my dad was so yeah but i'm into bees i've had as many as 50 hives and you know 15 or 50 55 oh 55 yeah and that Dang. was with a partner that that partnership didn't work out but we learned from it were you moving those bees around were you guys going for honey or we, pollination we started off doing the the honey and we were looking at doing the pollination with 50 hives we figured we get it but uh how fast of a ramp up from one hive to 55 was it well we bought into uh, an apiary that the gentleman re was retiring and going to china with his wife so he had 26 hives that we bought and the equipment wow so we paid for that with uh, the next year's uh, honey money and uh, so we figured we'd do the pollination the next year once we got our feet under us and um well, some decisions were made that were not the right decisions, and uh, it let too much moisture into the hives, and you know what happens when oh, you have moisture in the hives. yeah. Oh, so gosh. It's a hard lesson to learn. Bees can handle the cold, but when they're cold and wet, they die. When winterizing hives here in the Pacific Northwest, where we experience very wet winters, we have to be mindful about the amount of moisture that's building up in our hives. 
There are many ways to mitigate the moisture, such as adding absorbent insulation or ventilation near the top of the hive to allow some of the moisture to escape. Even placing dry sugar in the hive for emergency winter feed can help absorb excess moisture. So how many hives do you like to keep for yourself? Between 10 and 20. Do you keep them all in one place? No, I have a couple of different places that I keep them. Um, I have a farm that I keep a majority on them. And then I have another uh, acreage that I have some on also. Last year I had three hives. This year I have 15. And that was a ramp it's up. It's a for pretty you. big ramp up, but it's been so much fun. A lot of work. Yeah. Do you feel like yeah. you have a second job? This is my job. <laughs> and what kind of help do you have to do beekeeping with? Friends, family? I, 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 I need help with child care. No, you give them something to do. Yeah. My dad gave, uh, my brothers and I, he gave us a mower to go mow people's lawns. <laughs> that's how he took care of child care oh, with us. Oh, that's amazing. So. I, I was reading about like kids being underemployed. Yeah. And they're and, bored. And they're bored and then they cause all kinds of mischief. Yep. I'm fine with some degree of mischief, right. but. We all um, need a little mischief. Yeah. We learn from it. Yeah. But uh, I give my kids jobs. So, uh, beekeeping takes a lot of time. What's your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite beekeeper job? Just going through and, and looking and uh, seeing the brood and the eggs and the larvae and then catching the queen as she goes scourging across. <laughs> and some are, um, a term comes to mind, a runner. It's where the queen is running across the frame. And that dictates to the rest of the hive how they're going to react. But if you have a queen that just saunters across the frame, that's how the rest of the hive is. They're relaxed, they're cool, they're calm. But when you have a queen that's agitated, the rest of the hive is also agitated. That's my opinion. So if the queen is agitated and she's running around during a hive inspection, do you think that is an indication of how she is all the time? Like she's always really high strung and stressed i think so you know y you and uh, when things are good you can put your hand on top of the br the layer of bees and they won't react they'll just yeah. you know they'll go a little bit buzz but they're so calm and everything you work with them people are amazed they just hear the horror stories but when you have queenless hive or uh, a hive that isn't right the mm -hmm. bees let you know they talk yeah. to you and people say oh yeah they don't talk to you they it's like they uh, do though having your dogs and cats, you know, we know when they're not feeling good, when they want to be fed, when water, you know, and bees are just like their livestock. You know, I'm, I'm a small animal livestock keeper. I like chickens. I, I just started keeping chickens. Yeah. Uh, I'd go out and I had 12, uh, 11 hens and a rooster and I'd go out and talk to them, cackle with them and everything else. Yes. And, and can, I mean, they, can, will they you give your best chicken cackle or your best rooster call? <laughs> Perfect. I'm a chicken man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the rooster, um, I didn't, they, these were supposed to be all hands. This thing was the most beautiful sex link rooster I'd ever seen. And then he had spurs on him about an inch and a half long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why did they get spurs? It goes back to their wild uh, nature. That's how they protect themselves in the wild. 
uh, and fight with other roosters for dominancy. Do hens ever get spurs? No. Okay. Hens don't get spurs. It's kind of like uh, elk. The bull elk get oh. antlers. The cow elk do not. Okay. So it's just, it's a hard, um, it's like a fingernail, like what we have. It's a hair that comes out the bottom and it ain't get pretty long. But, uh, you know, that's where bees are livestock. You know, we medicate them, we take care of them, we yeah. house them. Uh, you know, when they're sick, we take care of them. When they perish, we, you know, feel bad about it, but we move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, we go out and get ourselves another cow when we need another cow. We go out and get another hive when we need another hive. You know, we reproduce bees uh, by splits and uh, other methods. You know, um, grafting and everything Have you else. done that? Uh, I've done a little bit in the class. I haven't done a lot in my apiary. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of more walkaway splits where I find yeah. the queen cells. And I use those and I put them in the uh, two or three frame uh, nook. Have you overwintered nooks? I have. I did one. I did a couple last year. How did that work out? It's, it's tough. You, you, yeah. You're going to have... Um, some that aren't going to make it because you didn't get enough stores on them, but the other ones that you get that 60 pound of honey load and, and weight to them, mm -hmm. they do pretty dang, dang good, and they're ready to go in the spring. We've had Harry Vanderpool up at our meeting several times talk about wintering nooks and how to get them ready for the winter. Mm -hmm. And the key, he says, is to have 60 pound nooks. There's a lot of honey and bees in there. Yeah. So... Do you find, because it's been such a long, warm season, are your hives still carrying a lot of brood? Yeah. So I are looked, mine. I looked at them there. They had a full frame of brood in them. Uh, you know, they're still bringing in pollen. Mm -hmm. uh, they still had a lot of flowers from people's gardens and uh, weeds and stuff out in, you know, the landscape. Mm -hmm. What's the trees? soonest that you could remember or the, the earliest in fall that you have stopped seeing brood? Because we're almost at November. And yeah. You know, it starts tapering down towards November because I was told when I first started beekeeping that bees are always thinking three months ahead. And so they're already thinking about January. So, you know, they're already putting in the propolis to glue their hives shut mm -hmm. and get ready for winter. Um, so probably mid-October mid, mid -October you start seeing a real weaning, but I haven't seen that yet Yeah. Um, in, in the hives that I have. They still have a good brood. They're still bringing in big bags of pollen. Uh, there's, this is like it's spring for them, or, or first of summer. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. What's your favorite varietal, honey? variety of honey i mean i like blackberry uh i've had asian pear oh. uh, tree honey which i ha have an orchard that i had bees in and that really tasted that pear taste to it what was the coloring was it really it was light? real light kind of uh, yeah. like uh, maple mm -hmm. so it's oh a light i tried maple honey this year mm -hmm. and it was just divine i had it someone give really me good. a pint of it for could we uh, traded some uh, equipment he needed some equipment and he couldn't find it, so I traded him some equipment for a, a pint of maple honey. Oh my God! So we were blessed with that. <laughs> it's real light, real thin. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, trying to cut calories, so I've been using honey instead of uh, creamer in my coffee. Yeah. So it just takes that bitterness off the coffee, which works. I like my coffee really bitter. Really bitter. Bitter. You're, you're bitter. Just dark uh, and gritty and bitter. <laughs> See, I'm just a regular fo fo Folgers guy. Oh, I know yeah. it's, it's your base brand, and 
You know, I think it's just the working winds. You know, it yeah. has nice, mellow, robust. <laughs> and you can get the darker and the French roast and everything, yeah. but it's good coffee. My, I was brought up on it, so it's my standard. Yeah. So another thing is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> when you have honey in your coffee, and I ask because this happened to a friend of mine recently. Shout out to Byron the Bee Man. He has lots of bees, and he used honey in his coffee, and he walked out to the bee yard, and his hand was covered in bees. Does that ever happen to you? Not with my coffee, but when I'm working uh, with the honey, yeah, my, the bees come up and they start licking it off my hands, or any a tool that I have. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're processing your honey at the end of the year, and you have all that wax capping that you're trying to drain all the honey out and everything. Well, instead of going through all the work, give it back to the bees, put the cappings out in the yard, let them go through. By the time they come back, they're all nice and clean and dry. They've removed all the wax, the honey out of them, uh, so the wax is nice and clean. Yeah. And so now you can process it better, and it's gone right back to the bees. Yeah. So in the same way with buckets, you can't get that last little bit out of a bucket, so give it back to the bees. Uh, you know, and... As everybody tells us, they're pretty good uh, housekeepers. You know, they're boy, they really are. They keep their house clean and everything, and everything that isn't supposed to be in there, it goes out from rubber bands to yeah. bugs and mites to twigs and you know yeah. anything that you leave in there, they'll discard it. Yeah. I have um, two hives at a community garden, and we had some youth groups down there uh, working, uh, removing ivy and stuff. I told them. I had hives, and they were all interested in looking. I said, well, okay, name a day. And so I'd get them, and some had suits, and some were fine because they'd worked with bees and stuff in their family. Uh, but it's amazing when you pull out a frame of bees in the brood and everything, and they're not swarming you, and they see a different picture of, you know, killer bees and bees coming after you. They mm -hmm. see these bees that are working that are just quiet and gentle. Yeah, and puppies. Uh, yeah, you know, you work with them, you touch them, they'll move around. When the bees are used to you working with them, they're a lot easier to get into. Mm -hmm. When you see them on a you know month or every other month basis, you know, not attended to them, they're they're not used to that. But when you're into them, you know, a week or every two weeks, they're so used like to they you. So like they have a sort of a a working memory. Yeah. Well, they also they know your pheromones. You know. As people, we're attracted to each other through pheromones, our personal perfume. And uh, bees know that. They know who's working with them. A lady um, was told that she, she couldn't lift her hives, so she needed her son and husband. Help. She said the person told her to put their dirty socks in her pockets. The b bees will take that and know their smell oh, when they wow. come down to help them. Well, I and had that's a pretty I bad <laughs> scent. That's a really terrible yeah. scent. I had a friend um, join me in my apiary to, I was going to show him how to do some mite checks. And he had been doing yellow jacket nest removals. Uh -huh. And he had worn his bee suit for that. Well, I said, here, lift this box for me. And he lifted the box and the bees reacted so strongly to him. He had to leave because they would not leave they them alone. Exploded yeah. out of the hive, and th and th these bees have never acted like that before. So I told them just get a different suit for right. doing yellow jackets. 
Well, I went over to help uh, an older friend of mine that she has hives in, in her backyard, and she has them in eight-frame uh, westerns just for the weight. And every time I'd go for a while, I'd get stung just right off the bat. And until I started working them quite a bit with her, they didn't get used to me until like the third time around. But they were her guard dogs back in her backyard. Nobody could go through her backyard without getting stung Jeez, other than I've her. I've never had bees like that in my yard. You've always had the mellow ones? Or, or I have, well, one of the hives in my yard, they don't like to be worked with. But uh, they're fine if I'm back there right. and walking past them and, and being around. Are they, are they Russian style? Or they're dark, so uh, I think okay. so. That's what she had, and she said the same thing about her Russians. They just, Arr. we're kind of interested in getting one of the sassafras uh, queens to add to oh, the line. Oh, yeah. The uh, haven't, I've heard a little bit about them, but not a lot. So I think this is the first year that they are out to uh, the general public. Mm -hmm. So next year I'll put that on my list of uh, queens to get. Yeah. So So what makes the Sassafras Queen special other than the fabulous name? Uh, They're hygienic, uh, mild manner, uh, easy to work with, good honey producers. Mm-hmm. All of the uh, qualities that you want to see in a queen. She's a queen. In the wintertime when you're not getting to work with your bees so frequently, what do you do with your time? I go fishing. I have a drift boat that uh, I'm Maybe I need to take up fishing. Think, there you go. <laughs> we can set you up with a pole and get you out on the river. You know, I went fishing when I was a little girl. We lived in New Mexico, and my grandparents had a little pontoon boat, and we would go to this lake and we'd go fishing. Mm-hmm. It's a good childhood memory. Would you I catch bass or perch? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bass, catfish. Yeah, nice. I like catfish. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm uh, getting my boat ready this weekend. Yeah. Um, do you look forward to that? Just yeah, do that like shift in, yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like this whole season has been a marathon. It has been. And I'm ready for just a little downtime. I'm ready to go back and look at the pictures and the videos and put some stuff together and just yeah. prepare for next season. Yeah, because uh, beekeeping to me sometimes is fast paced and, and we're fishing. I'm on the water. Uh, I don't have a motor on the drift boat, so I'm just ro- rowing or the current is taking me on. And it's more of a, a mental pause you know because i don't have to think about things i can just enjoy the wildlife the birds the otters whatever's out there the deer if i happen to have one come along um you know and then the prize is is catching the fish and you know you don't have to take it home you can catch and release it's okay um but i like to take that occasional fish home too and put it on the barbecue yeah have a nice dinner um i got back from a trip from uh Tillamook Bay, and that was just uh, not a very successful event. So uh, my bees did better than the forecast for fishing has been. (laughs) 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 So uh, hopefully down to the slits I can change the luck a little better. Matt is here from Built. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about what Built does? Uh, we make premium beehives from sustainable materials, uh, FSC certified wood. Uh, we focus on Langstroth, 
top bar and warrior hives. We wanted to make hives that are beautiful and functional and, again, responsibly sourced. Why choose sustainable lumber? Our customers, they want to help the bees uh, without hurting the forests. And when we started Beebuilt, that was a, a prime focus of ours. Uh, again, making the best beehives, but trying to use wood that has been harvested in a way that is good for the environment. Now you guys just released a new product. It's called the Standard Hive. Can you tell us about that? We know that our customers really cared about sustainability and quality. You know, we wanted to offer something that was a little more cost efficient. And so we, we came up with a, a stripped down version of our hive that we call the standard, which still uses sustainable wood, um, it uses simpler joints, streamlined processes in our millwork to offer a price point that's more accessible. So if our listeners want to learn more about Bee Built and the hives that you make, where can they learn more? Uh, then go to BeeBuilt.com. Uh, we are offering early access to Black Friday beginning on November 19th. Uh, so just go there, join our mailing list, and you'll get an email on the 19th with uh, instructions on how to get that access. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Would you consider yourself a plant person? Well, yeah, I would because... Uh, I now, did that ha happen before or after the bees? It happened before because uh, when I came out of high school, I took two years of ornamental horticulture in college. Oh, really? Oh, my God. So I, I, my direction was to be a landscaper. But, you know, it, it rains nine months out of the year in Oregon. <laughs> so I found myself a job inside. I did that job inside for 12 years, and I said, I'm looking outside. Of, I'm looking through a fishbowl. So then I uh, resigned that position and took up another job uh, just a block down the way that I have a rolling office. I'm outside most of the time, diverse weather. And you say, why would you go from a fishbowl where you're nice and dry to diverse weather? Because that's my nature. <laughs> I'm an outdoor person. And I couldn't keep my fingers out of doing the landscaping and yard work for the building that I worked in. <laughs> so... Like I said, my dad was an Iowa farm boy. My mom grew up in Hillsboro on a farm. and so You can't deny your genetics. I can't, can't deny, deny my deny genetics. <laughs> my grandfather liked chickens. He raised chickens to supplement. Yeah, my great-grandfather was a chicken keeper and a beekeeper. But I didn't go. find that out until I became a beekeeper. Yeah. And I've, I'm the first beekeeper since him. Cool. And, of course, I'm trying to get my kids into it, but... For them, it's like, oh God, Mom's well, talking it. about bees again. You know? yeah. And they don't even like, they don't even look at the hives. They're just like, yeah. whatever, whatever, I, Mom. I took my daughter out to a bee day, and um, <laughs> I didn't realize it, but she has a high anxiety level. And it was a cold day, and we opened up the hives. Well, the bees are—they're seeking warmth and everything because you just took it away from them. So they went to the back of every person that was warm. And my daughter was one of those people. I said, it's okay. And the buzz is driving her nuts. And here I just see this. She's not moving. She's not communicating with me. She's petrified. So oh I see what's going God. on. So I take her away from the situation. We try to get her back into it later in the day. Nope. So, um, so needless to say, from junior high all the way through high school, she did not want to have anything to do with me and my beekeeping. You know, I used to have a lot of anxiety and working with bees has helped me to conquer it. Yeah. Well, and one thing I, we, I didn't cover with beekeeping and everything 
uh, when I got into bees and everything, an unfortunate situation happened with me. I lost my middle brother. Uh, he passed away in his sleep. I realized in my family, we do not cope with death very well. We do not talk about it the way they say you should. Um, my dad passed 20 years ago due to cancer. My brother passed 10. And then I had an uncle pass here recently, 1st of October. Oh, due to, wow. Uh, complications of illness. So, uh, beekeeping to me is a way of coping with uh, life's uh, tragedy and adversities. Me too. So, uh, you can work bees, you can sit there and watch them all day long. And as my wife says, with the river noise, it's a white noise. The buzz of beekeeping is a white noise. <laughs> Rex has been president of Portland Metro Beekeepers for a long time, but I've only been president of Portland Urban Beekeepers for a year. He shared some important insight on how to get people to their seat at the beginning of the membership meetings. Well, and I do this at my bee, my bee club meeting. I'm, my folks, they, they don't want to not take their seat once we start the meeting because then I have to do the yo. We try to say, folks, can, can you take your seats? And everybody wants to talk. They want to I visit. I know. They, that's just it. They it's need the nature of a time. meeting. Yes. They come and see people with like-minded ideas. Yes. So you got to get their <laughs> attention. So I do the yo. And it's a long, drawn-out yo. Will you do it? Uh, like maybe a, a modified yo? Yo. Oh, I like that. I don't have a thing that I do at you the beginning of the meeting. I need to develop a thing. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Oh, I did it at one meeting, and a, and a gentleman that I hadn't seen before, he said, well, you offended me. I said, how, <laughs> how did I offend you? What did I say? Well, just the way you, I said, that offended you? Boy. Sensitive. Okay, yeah. Sensitive. But I thought I was sensitive because I'm a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting it all out on the table today. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I'm going to work on a thing. Okay. Any tips on coming up with a thing? Like, how did you find yo? Uh, calling my dogs out in the woods. Okay. Well, I call my chickens, so maybe I'll do that. How do you call your chickens? Got to be higher. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> You work on that. It's a good thing. It was so fun connecting with Rex and getting to know him, and I hope that all of you enjoyed getting to know him too. You can find out more about Rex on my blog at waggleworkspdx.com. I'll be including notes from today's show and some photos. If you're enjoying this show and want to become one of my patrons, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Mandy Shaw. This month, I had a very generous supporter step up. I want to say a special shout out to her, Gloria Cruz. Thank you for your love and your support. I totally appreciate it. You are helping me to help the bees. Now, we're coming up on the holiday season. I'm going to try and keep up with my weekly episode schedule, but that may slip just a little bit. My kids are going to be having a lot of time off from school, and that makes it a little bit challenging to do some of the sound editing. So if you don't hear from me for a week and a half or maybe two weeks, just know I'm wrangling kids. Anyways, I'll talk to you next time. May the buzz be with you.
Oh,